As soon as I stepped out of the train, I could feel it. My foot hit the platform and there was a different vibration in this city. My heart rate started to go up. We had spent the night in New Jersey with a friend and it was the first time I'd ever gone to New York City and so, of course, what did we do? We got on the train, like so many people do, from Jersey into that big city to work. Only we were there to visit, but I'd never quite experienced that feeling of getting off the, the train and knowing that in some way, almost metaphysically, I was now in a very different place. I could feel the anxiety almost rising in me. What's this place going to be like? It just felt like the whole city hummed at a different level of existence than anywhere else I'd ever been. For those of us who have children or who have had children or for those of us who teach, and even those of us that are in the church, it feels like that about right now, this time of year. Because all of a sudden, for most of us, and even in our communities, if we don't engage with school or with children, it's going to be a different hum level starting in about two weeks. The buses start to run. Teachers are already back in their classrooms preparing. The church already, as I look at the, the church calendar, I'm already overwhelmed. We've planned so many wonderful things. I think, what in the world are we doing? And so we have this busyness in our lives, and I hear you, and I talk about it too, just how hard it is to get people together these days just for a meal, just for an afternoon, just to hang out for a little bit for a coffee or something. It's becomes so difficult because of this, this busyness. Things operate on a different level, it seems like, in our lives than they have for the previous decades even. And yet, even in the midst of this busyness, in the midst of all the things that we do, all the work that we're about, all the things that we give our, our time and our lives to, all the connection that we have with coworkers or, or uh, with the things that we're doing, there's underneath of that what I hear anyway with a lot of people is an immense disconnection, an immense loneliness, as if the world, like the city of New York, is just, it's, it's, go, it's going somewhere and you don't feel like you're going with it. Like the world is moving somewhere and maybe you don't want to go with it. But there's a loneliness even in this hyper-connected world in the midst of our busyness. It's, it's this strange inside-out, upside-down thing. You would think we're so busy, we're with people all the time, we're connecting online and social media and email and doing all these things, and yet many of us wonder if we have the power to do anything because we feel isolated and alone. And in some ways, that's, I hear the echo of that, this disenchantment with things, this, this worry about being up against something that we're not sure about, this disconnection from society and the world in the book of Hebrews. 
Because the Hebrews were, they, they, they were those who had chosen to follow Jesus and they lived in a culture and in a world that didn't understand at all what that meant. This was in a time before, uh, we believe anyway, before Christians were called Christians. These were followers of the way. They, they, had a, they had a crucified Messiah, meaning they had a leader who had been killed. And what person in their right mind would follow a leader who's dead? And yet, here they were, these people of faith, but yet they were facing persecution. They're being ostracized, being separated from their families, seeking, seeking to live this new life that, that, that they believed had been promised um, by those who talked about who Jesus was, by those who'd been with Jesus, and they were seeking to live into it. And so the writer of Hebrews begins this litany to remind them of how connected they are in faith. How surrounded they are by witnesses to the faith. That they, even though they might feel alone, isolated, disconnected, they are actually super connected with everyone who had gone before. And they could look, and the writer of Hebrews continues to tell them, look at the things that they did or that, and that God did through them. Not saying to them, well, just have enough faith and everything's going to work out okay. Because he talks about how even those who follow Jesus had been killed, had been thrown to the lions. Things maybe hadn't worked out, you know, perfectly well for them. They weren't living in some big mansion, you know, up on the hill. But he was writing, or the writer, we don't know if it was a male or female, the writer the writer is just saying, you are surrounded. You are surrounded by those who put their trust in Jesus and so many things, trust in God and so many things came out because of things that they couldn't even imagine could happen. They began as an idea and then they became real as those people trusted and continued to walk along the path. Going back to who, the, who these Hebrews would have known because they would have known the old, what, what would have been called the Scriptures then. They would have known the old, what we call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. And they would have known the story of Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham being called out of his homeland to leave the security of that blood family to go somewhere that wasn't named. Go to the place that I'm going to show you. Okay, sure. Which direction? But he went, and he took his family with him. And as you read that story, you realize how, how real people are part of this faith story. Abraham and Sarah aren't, aren't these paragons of virtue and perfection. They're human people living in a time and a place with all kinds of things. I mean, they, if, if we want to talk about it, I mean, they owned slaves as part of their caravan, as part of their property. But that's not what we're called to emulate, is it? We're called to move on in faith and in time, but to look at them as they went and followed something that they didn't know was going to happen. And throughout 
the history of those Old Testament scriptures, this writer goes on and on and on. What's interesting to me is that, again, to critique Hebrews a little bit, I think there's only one female name in that whole, well, two female names in that whole thing, Sarah and Rahab. Sarah's barren, at least throughout most of her story, and Rahab is a prostitute. And there are so many other women in the Old Testament scriptures that are people of faith that we ought to read, know and to read their stories that, that we might be uplifted in our journey. Calvin, John Calvin, our forefather in Presbyterianism, said that faith is firm knowledge of God's benevolence toward us. Firm knowledge of God's benevolence towards us. That seems like about 400 years ago that would have made sense. Right? Just the way that that written. Firm knowledge of God's benevolence towards us. Well, I don't know about you, but I wonder about God's benevolence toward me sometimes. Sometimes I wonder about God's benevolence towards all of society. You hear me preach about this a lot. You open up the paper, you look at things, and you wonder, where is God in all of this? And yet we are the ones who are called to trust in that God, that God is in the midst of all of these things, that God is in the midst of life, of loneliness, of busyness, And we are the ones who are called to look at all of that and to begin to discern what is it that we are supposed to apply ourselves to? What is it in that that we as people of faith are supposed to give ourselves to? Because we aren't just called to be busy. We aren't just called to follow along with with what everybody else is doing in life. We, we We are not called to seek the same things that everybody else is seeking Because God calls each one of us on a different path. And oftentimes that path is throughout history, throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, is often antithetical to the maiden culture that is in place at the time. Jesus was executed because he was seen as a usurper to the powers that be. The Romans did not want anyone to disturb the peace that they so carefully guarded with an iron fist. And so they just put down any insurrection that they wanted. The leaders of the Jewish faith at the time were also afraid that Jesus was going to disrupt everything that they had worked so hard to preserve because they, they lived in concert with the Romans so that they could practice their faith. And yet, and still, we as followers of Jesus, are the ones called to look at the way we live our lives, to look at the way of our culture, of our society, of the things that we put our hearts and minds to, and to ask, is this of God? Is what I am pursuing part of what those throughout time who have lived by faith would be pursuing? And what I love about reading scripture and what I love about being, being in, in those stories is that we realize that we're not going to get it right all the time. We're going to make bad choices. 
We're going to go down wrong paths. We're going we're gonna to chase after something that isn't life-giving to us or to other people, and yet God doesn't condemn us for it. God says, come on back to the path. You just got off a little bit. I never left you. I've always been with you, but come back to this way, this way that is of life, not just for you, not just for you, but for everybody. And don't ever forget, God says to us in this writer of Hebrews, don't ever forget that you are not alone in this. Even those who lived out in the deserts on their own and in other uh, readings of Scripture, you know, they, they wore sheepskins and they wore this and that and they sort of lived out in the desert on their own. Even those who were out there pursuing whatever that path was for them, they were not alone. They were surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, surrounded by faith and trust, surrounded by those who had gone before, cheering them on to follow the path that was laid out before them. But the path is not easy. There is so much that conspires against us, especially those of us who've made it, in a sense. Because it's easy to get comfortable where we are. Oh, this is working out pretty good for me. Why, why would I want to get involved with that? That's going to cause some disruption. I'm, I'm liking it right here. But I believe that God causes disruption, causes us to look at things that, that might challenge us and, and draw us out because they are needful things, needful things in our society. So where is God leading you these days? Where is it in your life that maybe you're feeling lonely, hurting, wondering, does it all make any sense? Where is it that you've forgotten that not only do you come from a long line of people, real people, we're not trying to make them into some sort of saints and angels or whatever, but you've forgotten that you come from a long line of people, that just the fact of your existence is an absolute mathematical miracle. The number of things that had to happen in order for you to be right here, right now, in this position is in the trillions of things that had to happen for you to be right here, right now, with the opportunities that God is giving you to live into the kingdom. And you're not alone in that, because all of those who've gone before us in the faith are there as well. We have their stories to give us courage. And not only that, we believe that in baptism, we are given the Holy Spirit. We are given the power that created and sustains the universe. And you probably hear me say this every Sunday just because I, I, it still blows my mind to think about it. That when we were baptized as children or adults, that the Holy Spirit was given to us this power of life that we have inside of us. And when we trust where God might be leading us, even if we don't know where that's working out, we begin to channel, for lack of a better word, that power. And we can do things 
We can do things that we don't think we can do alone. Because that's the problem with busyness and loneliness is we get stuck and we are almost powerless. But when we say no to busyness and when we say no to loneliness, when we say yes to trust and yes to faith and yes to following the path of Christ, all of a sudden things begin to look different. Not less challenging, perhaps, maybe even more so, but more filled with life and potential, more filled with the possibility that we might be able to make something change in our society because we are living in a time and a place where so many people are so busy and so lonely and they feel so powerless that they're acting out of that to hurt other people or to hurt themselves. And we have got to be on the front lines to stop that because each and every life is precious. Remember, trillions of things had to happen for that life to come into existence. And it is beloved by God, every child, every adult, every person. And if we, as those people of faith, can learn and to lean into the trust, the faith, that firm knowledge of God's benevolence toward us from Calvin's words, Maybe we get the chance to do something in God that we never thought was possible. Maybe we get the chance to change one life, to begin to change one system, to begin to change one culture that all people might know one day that they are surrounded, not just by faith, but by hope and by love because we followed the path of Christ. So where is God leading you these days? Amen.